Welcome to the Life Sciences WA Investment Series. Investor meets innovator. Hosted by Dr. Tracy Wilkinson, Director for Stakeholder Engagement WA at MTP Connect, WA Life Sciences Innovation Hub, and me, Peter Birch, from Talking Health Tech. In this limited podcast series, we've brought together a number of conversations with experts from medical science to finance to help demystify investing in biotech, medtech, and digital health, also known as the life sciences. In the spirit of reconciliation, we acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connection to land, seas, and community. We pay respect to elders past, present, and emerging, and extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people listening today. The information in this podcast is general in nature and should not be taken as a substitute for professional or financial advice. We're back, Tracy. We're back. We're back. Thanks for joining me. Always good to chat. So we've been learning about life sciences in WA and investing into the space. And we've been able to speak to some awesome experts, different perspectives, and we're gonna continue those in these upcoming episodes and in this one today. And as part of this series, I got to speak to Dr. B. Mian. B brings another perspective as a clinician who has got involved in angel investing. And that's just another great perspective, right, Tracy? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, invest in what you know, right, is the mantra right. that I think people say time and time again. And who knows health and medicine better than a doctor or a clinician? So I really loved finding out more about the organisation that B has helped found, Australian Medical Angels, which I think is a really interesting structure and way to help doctors invest in new and novel health tech opportunities that they might be interested in using the product sold one day. So yeah, this, this is a good episode. Really interesting. Yeah, here it is. My conversation with Dr. B. Mian, co-founder of Australian Medical Angels. B, how are you? Good. Very well. Thank good you. Good chat. For those that don't know you, tell us a bit about you firstly and what keeps you busy. And remember, we've only got a few minutes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. I've got many things that keep me busy. But one of my major things that I'm doing is that I run a medical angel investing syndicate called Australian Medical Angels with my co-founder, Amandeep Hansra. And we are a very interesting and unique group. We have 600 members of verified clinicians, both across medical and dental space. And our focus is to invest in health tech startups in Australia and overseas that we like. Yeah. My background is actually, I'm a emergency doctor, work quite a lot of locums and as well as Metropolitan Hospital in Sydney, New South Wales. That's one of the things I do clinically, but outside of clinical practice, I also run a multi-specialist medical center in regional New South Wales. As a clinician, how did you go from seeing patients to now running this syndicate focused on investing in health tech with clinicians? Yeah, that's a very good question. It all came about when I was doing my neuroscience PhD, which is one of the other thing, hats I've got on. I was almost procrastinating writing my thesis, and I started this uh, Facebook group called Investing for Doctors, which is another side gig I'm doing. But it's a Facebook group where we educate doctors on financial and money matters, how to invest money that we invest, and what sort of things to look for in our sort of day-to-day -day practice, running a practice and that sort of things. 
out of that group, we found there was a smaller subset of doctors that were very interested in the startup space. And I myself, I love innovation. I love research. So I started looking at it and I initially started making some angel investments. But one of the problems with being an angel investor and a doctor is that even though we earn a shiny penny, its tip barrier to entry to invest in a startup is actually quite high. You'd be talking about $50,000 to $100,000 when you invest into a particular company. So I thought, why not get a group of people together, syndicate it, and we can all chip in smaller amounts and invest across a larger number of startups. And so that's how Medical Angels came about. Obviously, I met another very passionate individual, Mandeep, along the way, my co-founder. And that's how we got everything started. And we actually met online. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> for those wondering, yeah. Just thinking about then the syndicate side, for those not familiar, so it's not a VC firm, it's not a venture capital firm, being a syndicate, so that's pulling together funds so you don't need to fork out the 50 grand or the 100 grand necessarily. It could be smaller amounts. Is that how it works? Yeah, that's right. So as a syndicate, we can actually invest as a group. And for every group that we invest in, we pull funds from various people. It can be as low as $5,000. And we put that together and invest in a company through a special purpose vehicle. Being clinicians, that would make a lot of sense. Then you also investing in these and having the skin in the game. Yes, that's absolutely correct. And I think that's one of our unfair advantages, if you want to put it in the space. We are typically investing in things that we will actually be the customers of and that we like to see in healthcare moving forward. So that's a very unique value proposition as an investor and also as an end user because we are able to identify what the problems are in medicine and we can either guide or find the companies that are actively trying to solve the problems. One of the things I like to say is that as doctors, we like to complain all the time about how things could be done better. Now we actually have the ability to shape the future of medicine and to actually solve those problems rather than just complain about them. Look, I know from a vendor's perspective as well that as a startup creating an innovation in healthcare, having that early interest from clinicians is really important and more than just interest in people saying, oh, I might like to use this or let me know how you go. If you've got that support from an investment point of view, it really helps create something that's actually meaningful. Do those members start participating in what these solutions look like or do they just put some money in and then hope to see some money later? Oh, there's various different sort of levels of engagement from actively engaging with a particular company to spreading through word of mouth amongst their colleagues. And we have even have companies we invest in where we've put people on the board. This, the level of engagement really depends on the individual company and what we need to do for a particular company for it to be successful. That can be in simply getting the right contacts for the company to speak to, to actually land a hospital contract, or to get various aspects funded through the government and various other sort of strategic alliances. For instance, one company we actually actively involved in getting a joint venture set up between the startup as well as the broader medical profession. And it's really these sort of strategic investors that can really help the company grow is what we're all about. And obviously, lastly, we do bring a halo effect to a startup company, especially an early stage startup. It basically checks the box for product market fit because if you manage to convince dozens of doctors to invest in your startup before it generates a single cent of revenue, I think that's a good sign because doctors are historically known as very risk-averse individuals, especially when it comes to investing. Yeah. Is it just doctors 
on the East Coast or are there doctors from all over the country, including Western Australia, that are part of the group as well? Oh, yeah. Our group is actually national. We have pretty much doctors all across Australia. Yeah. We've touched on health tech or health innovations. Thinking about the different types of solutions that can be created, is it just software that you're investing in? Is there interest in the biotech side of things or other areas, med tech, other innovations in healthcare? That's a very good question because health tech is a very broad umbrella. It incorporates everything related to health. The focus areas that we like to invest in, and that's probably because these are companies we can invest in at the current stage, we focus a lot on digital health. We focus a lot on software as a service and what we consider low-risk medical devices and whether that's a therapeutic device or a diagnostic device. We tend not to touch too much on high-risk invasive medical devices and also sort of small molecules because the investment cycle and the amount of money you need for those are a lot larger than what an early stage sort of a syndicate can do. And where do you see this going? You're building up this group of doctors that are becoming engaged and interested. Where could this go? This could go very big if we do the right things. Right now, we've committed about over $7 million over the last couple of years. It's still growing in size. Ultimate goal is to actually run our own fund, I guess. And how do you decide then what types of innovations are worth investing in as part of Medical Angels? Oh, yeah, that's a very good question, Peter. We have a couple of different metrics, and it obviously depends on what sort of area of health tech we're looking at. But one of the major things we like to think about is, does it contribute to the healthcare in general? I think that's a very big question we got to ask. They have to meet those sort of basic requirements. And then obviously there's other sort of investment metrics we look at, such as what's their funding like? How long do they think they need to become viable? Whether they've got a good runway or not, who the team members are. One of the things that we view as our strong point is that we can identify the product market fit and we can often also be an avenue for marketing. So that's the big things that we look at because those are the probably the most important things in the early stage of a startup. You can have all the money injected into a company, but if you got the wrong product that nobody wants or what I like to call a solution waiting for a problem to solve, then you're not going to get very far. We leverage our expertise in terms of the, our membership base, the various specialists in our group, we can always reach out to them and just ask a very simple question. Is this something you would use in your specialty? I can easily reach out to a couple of those people. And if we get a a resounding yes to every single one of them, I think you're going to be a worthwhile investment to invest in. So we actually take a lot of that as the group value and then as a group voting as a block. And then we get to see where they go. There are various different models of startups and different kinds of companies including one type, which I would like to call the robbing Peter to pay Paul model. There are a lot of such companies in healthcare, but that's probably a big no-no from our perspective, mainly because doctors tend to be the ones that gets robbed (laughs) in those situations. Explain that a bit more to me for those that don't fully understand that, the rob Peter to pay Paul one. Yeah, yeah. If we talk about startups in healthcare, healthcare is a lot more complicated than the typical startup. I usually like to make the analogy between, say, Uber, for instance. Uber is a two-sided market startup. And what the two-sided are, there's the riders and then there's the drivers. And Uber matches and provides service to both of them. You need to consider about both of them to actually get started. Where in healthcare, I describe healthcare as a five-sided market. 
So the first side is the patients. The second side are the providers, which is the clinicians, the allied health professionals, the nurses, etc. The third side is the facility. What I mean by the facility is that you need somewhere for the patient-doctor interaction to happen at because it's often not a direct contact. You, it's either happening in a clinic, in a hospital, through a telehealth platform, for instance. You really have to consider the facility in all of that. And then the last two relies on who pays. The first part is there's the private payer in terms of private health insurance. And the last one is the public payer, which is in Australia, that's Medicare. In the US, that might be Medicaid. In the UK, that would be the NHS, which is government funded. You've got to almost think about all these five different players and then answer the question, which ultimately comes to dollar and cents, is who's going to pay for this and who gets the most advantage out of it. So what we often see is that the cost is put on, say, for example, the facility, whereas the benefit is for, say, the patient, or the cost is put on the doctors and the benefit is for the facility and or the payers or something like that. So you've got to be very careful to consider all sides and all players involved, which can be very complex if you're not intimately aware of the nuances of the healthcare system. When I say Robin Peter to pay Paul, is the advantage is predominantly for one or more of these five sides of the market, but the person that has to pay for it is someone else. Got it. So we like to avoid those ones. <laughs> Yeah, we try to not try to avoid them, but if there is something that's really good, you got to work with them to either make it more palatable or to actually just highlight the problem so that the startups are and the end users are aware of those problems. Yeah, good way to think about it. Love it. And have we seen any success from some of those organizations and those startups that you've invested in through Medical Angels? Any success stories you can share? Yeah, definitely. Because we're a bit early, we haven't had any big exits yet. We've got about a third of our companies are been profitable. Nobody has gone bankrupt during the last two plus years of COVID. I think that's a very good metric. One highlight is the company called CoView, which is a telehealth platform that really blew up during COVID because they won government contract to actually provide telehealth technology for many GPs as well as outpatient hospital services. And that's one of the things I'm really proud of supporting because that essentially help us convert quite rapidly towards a telehealth-enabled sort of healthcare system. And that also obviously helped a lot during the COVID pandemic. That's one. There's another company that I'm also very proud of. It's called Medtasker. They're an in-hospital task management system for doctors really getting rid of the pages. That's pretty much in nearly every state in New Zealand. Again, that's a profitable company. And the last one, which is a bit of a interesting one, is called SmileyScope. It's a VR device that helps kids overcome the scary part of getting their bloods taken or getting a vaccination. And again, that's helped tremendously during the COVID pandemic as well. They were profitable in Australia and now they're undergoing massive expansion in the US and just raised also a huge round. There are more, but these are probably the ones that I'm personally quite proud of supporting and that has really contributed to very quickly and very early to how medicine is practiced. And for those clinicians that would be interested in learning more about Medical Angels, do they jump online? Yeah, we actually run a lot of our community activities on Facebook. There is a Facebook group called Australian Medical Angels, and there's a bit of a sign-up process. You can go to our website at medangels, M-E-D-A-N-G-E-L-S.com.au, and there's a two-step sign-up process to get involved 
and what we do. We are actually expanding our platform in the very near future to accept people who are a, not on Facebook and also non-medical doctors who want to invest with us. That's coming up very soon. Yeah. This podcast has been brought to you by Life Sciences WA, which is Western Australia's Life Sciences Industry Association, in collaboration with Talking Health Tech. It's been made possible with funding support from the Western Australian Government through the New Industries Fund and the Ready Initiative, managed by MTP Connect on behalf of the Medical Research Future Fund and with the support of Ant Health. If you liked this episode, please complete the feedback survey. There's a link to that survey you can access from within your podcast player. You can also follow Life Sciences WA on LinkedIn and Twitter or subscribe to the mailing list at lifesciencewa.com.au.